Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented as ever by me, Ben Hocking, Sam Sage, and Harry Eade. British Grand Prix review time. We are absolutely boiling, ladies and gents, but we are here. We are committed to the cause regardless. And, well, a bit of a swing in the championship after quite a few races of Red Bull dominance. Max Verstappen looking very good going into the weekend, but with Max Verstappen retiring due to a crash with Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton then going on to pick up the victory, a dramatic victory, in the last couple of laps over Charles Leclerc. It means now that there are just eight points in the championship coming out of round 10. Guys, how are you doing? It, it's boiling, isn't it? It's absolutely boiling. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure if it was muy caliente because of the race or because it is 33 British degrees here in London. Uh, and when you have humidity of about 70%, it is it's, it's a version of hell that I don't enjoy being a part of. But at least the race was spicy as it could be. What a bloody Grand Prix that was. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we didn't need any extra heat in our lives today, but Silverstone delivered it. In bucket loads. Have some more heat, they said. <laughs> Enjoy the extra heat. <laughs> D- depending on where you're listening to in the world, you might well have heard Sam's 33 degree reference and think, oh, we get that all the time. But bear in mind that the we're Brits. We- we're used to 15 degrees. It- it's like 33 plus another 20 compared to what we're used to. So um... I-, I miss my 15 degrees with mild showers. Please bring that back immediately. <laughs> I miss snow and eight. Probably be back tomorrow. Um, (laughs) Thank God. That's enough British weather chat for one podcast. I think we've got we've got a lot to get through. Naturally, we've got that crash to get through between Max. Sorry, I'm just getting a. Oh, sorry, just getting a just getting an email from um from Toto Wolf. Um, Oh. oh, um, Ben, we don't check our emails during our. Yeah, we we said about this, Ben. Sorry, he's um he's just said subscribe to Late Breaking. Um, thank you for that, Toto. Top lad. How did he sign his email off? 
it was a fist emoji and a table emoji. Um, just to confirm, that's how he that's how he closes it off. Um, but we have got plenty to get through. We've got what caused that email, which was the um, which was the crash between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. We've got the dramatic end of the race to discuss, and in amongst all of that, we had sprint qualifying for the first time ever. So we'll give our thoughts on that one later on. We'll start though with the moment that everyone's talking about into cops corner max verstappen and lewis hamilton side by side or not side by side depending on who you listen to christian horner um they, they come together into the corner max verstappen is out of the race goes into the wall at some speed um he has been um i think precautionary um but he has been um he has gone to hospital but he did get out of the um he did get out of the car on his own accord so um Obviously, best wishes to him. Hopefully, there's nothing, uh, no damage there going forward for the rest of this season. But in terms of the incident itself, Lewis Hamilton, 10-second penalty. Sam, do you think it was an appropriate one? Well, speaking of cops corner, someone should bloody call the cops to defuse the situation. Because, wow. my lord, that was an unreal... 50, if you haven't heard Christian Horner say it enough times already in the last two hours, a 51G crash. That was after Lewis Hamilton stuck a wheel up his inside, uh, in the exact words of Christian Horner. Um, do I think it's a racing Do I think it's Lewis Hamilton's fault? I think in our little text chat that we always have when um, we're watching a race, we always discuss it as it goes along. We were all a little bit undecided, a little bit to and fro to begin with. And then I looked at some evidence online. I saw some kind of telemetry of how cars were meant to pan out in certain lines. And I have swayed towards this being a mistake on Hamilton's part. Um, the corner at Cops is an odd one. It is a very late apex. It's obviously incredibly fast, very uh, flat-out corner in these modern cars. And Verstappen is taking the racing line. Hamilton is alongside at the start of what is technically the corner. But at the point of the apex, because of the angle of the corner, Lewis Hamilton is already front wing in line with Verstappen's rear tyre. Essentially, that's where they made contact, obviously, as we're all aware. And the fact that tyre came off, absolutely crazy. That was really strange to see. Um... So I, I have linked towards this being a Lewis Hamilton fault. And I actually think that the 10-second time penalty, a little soft, but at the same time, it's a first lap incident. So that always gets a little bit of leeway from the uh, the stewards. And I, I admire the fact that Hamilton has, has bloody gone for it as well. Not that that should play into any difficulty in, in serving up a penalty. But I loved, I loved the ambition. I loved the optimism. I loved the attempt. Now, it's a shame that resulting in Max Verstappen being out of the Grand Prix. It's a shame that that resulting in no points being scored for our championship leader. Max was on fire this weekend, and not just because it's 33 degrees outside, because he's been so on form this season. The fact that he's finished in the top two every single race, apart from Baku, where he had that unfortunate tyre issue, and now at Silverstone, where he was ruthlessly taken out by his championship rival. Um, yeah, I think Hamilton just deserves a penalty. Ten seconds. Uh, it felt like an age when he was in that pit box. But I do think Hamilton probably should have backed out of it. It felt like he rushed into that a little bit. It felt a little bit desperate from a man that's won seven world titles and knows just how good he could be in a wheel-to-wheel situation but then again he went over to two other people at that corner and it went flawlessly so it can happen but this one just went wrong for him so yeah i think the penalty is fair i do think this was more hamilton's fault than a racing incident what are your thoughts harry do you agree with sam do you agree with the stewards well when i as sam's already mentioned we were obviously texting each other and my my thoughts were um were conflicting. So first of all, when I first saw it and the angle we had, I thought it was, I actually thought it was Verstappen's fault because I thought he completely closed the door on him. Then we had the replays, 
And I was like, oh, I think that's a racing incident. But after watching the replay about a billion times, whilst we had a red flag, um, yeah, I think it, the the it's it's Hamilton's fault. I think the way the way that I've come to that conclusion is just because it's if Verstappen isn't there, I don't think Hamilton's making the corner. As in, he's not making it inside the track limits through cops because he's he's on the marbles i don't think the angle he's going is actually going to carry on within track limits so for me that's kind of what sealed it it if, yeah i mean the i think the penalty the penalty itself difficult to judge if that was enough too much not, not entirely sure because it's it's you know this whole incident is is clouded with the context of it being a world championship battle and it's the two two championship um, protagonists, but um, yeah, I, I agree. It, it was a it was Hamilton's fault on that one. A, a rare, a rare mistake. But they, you know, those two were going at it. They were going at it for the entirety of that first half a lap. They weren't far off coming together, going into down the Wellington Straight. This seems like it was an inev- inevitability. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm Erring, well, I have urged towards Hamilton's fault on that one, even though for much of it I was thinking it was a racing incident. Um, but yeah, what I mean, obviously, glad Verstappen's okay because that was an absolutely horrendous shunt. But it was what banter, what championship banter, love it. Yeah, I th- first and foremost, yeah, the best thing about this is that that Max Verstappen is is okay because he really did hit that wall at some pace. Um, and due to the fact that we, we saw afterwards how long they had to take in order to repair that barrier, I think that just proved the point of how fast he went in there. And I don't know if it should be a concern at all that the gravel just out from that wall there didn't really seem to slow him down too much. Um, it slowed him down a bit naturally, but I don't actually think it did a great deal. And he, he seemed to still hit it at some pace. So that's that's the first and most important thing here. If we're looking at the three potential outcomes of this, so first one being it was Verstappen's fault, second one being it was Hamilton's fault, third one being it was racing incident. Is it Verstappen's fault? I actually uh, agree with you, Harry. First, first, like normal racing speed, normal camera speed, I was like, oh, has Verstappen shut the door there? He, he didn't. Um, on first inspection, I thought he might have done, but I, I think of the three possible conclusions of this that's the one that I, I can't really buy into I don't think this was Verstappen's fault if I had to say anything on Verstappen's part I think he could have left another car I don't think he, he had to but I think it would have been prudent for him to leave another car's width just to be sure that doesn't mean it's his fault but because of the championship lead that he had he had to protect he obviously doesn't have it anymore but at that point 33 point advantage I think and maybe this is inexperience of him never being in that leading championship position before, but I feel with that position he's in, he can start to to make a few smarter decisions there. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to cede positions to Lewis Hamilton left, right, and centre. I just think that given the speed that you're going into cops, you know that Hamilton's not going to back out there. I, I disagree with what Christian Horner said in that I do think Hamilton was entitled to the space. And that one card, I, I think he was alongside and entitled to that. In which case, I think you've just got to be realistic and say he's not going to back out here. I can leave him one car's width, but going at 160 miles an hour, am I that confident that he is going to make that corner? Even Lewis Hamilton, I think the answer is no. So 
I think Verstappen could have just done a bit more. Not saying it's his fault, though. In, t- in terms of whether it was Lewis Hamilton's fault or whether it was a racing incident, I, I watched this uh, plenty of times and I couldn't work it out until I kind of until I got the onboard view. At which point you do see that last little bit of understeer that drives it into it. Because I think for for the most part he was doing all right, and really it's only that sort of last half a second where he just he he, he can't hold on to it when he drives into it. So. For, from my from my side, I think it was a Hamilton-led crash, and I do believe he should have been penalised for it. As to what that penalty should have been, a lot of people are asking, why isn't that penalty more? I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going to ask, why wasn't the penalty less? Why was it not a five-second penalty? Because over the last couple of race weekends, we bark on about consistency all the time, we saw... Sergio Perez and the Charles Leclerc incident. We saw the Lando Norris and Sergio Perez incident in spring qualifying. We saw the Carlos Sainz and George Russell incident. All of them five seconds for forcing the other guy off the track. This is the same thing in that sense, right? So why is it ten seconds? If there's if there's a reason that they can give, fair enough. But I can't I can't understand why this one is ten seconds and all of those other ones are five seconds. You could argue Verstappen's been put out of the race. The you know the contact was at a higher speed my my view on stewarding is that the result should never dictate the penalty it should always be the action rather than the result a lot of people seem to think that it was a harsh penalty after the race was finished and after lewis hamilton won by a few seconds you you can't you can't apply penalties in that way you can't go on and see what the result would be and then say okay based on that he should get this penalty the penalty should be awarded from my perspective at the time that it's done and it should be based on what the action was, not what the result has been. In which case, I can't make a case for this being 10 seconds over the other ones being 5 seconds. But I think it depends entirely on what your view on stewarding is. That's my view on it. So I, I, I don't think the 10 sec, you know, whether it was 5 or 10 seconds, the result wouldn't have actually ended up, ended up changing. But um, that's how I see it. I mean... The other thing, this is not to do with the penalties at all, but and not a dig at any any of our um, loyal British F1 supporters, but I saw a few uh, clips going around of the cheers when Verstappen flew into the barrier, which, you know, yeah. I think if we'd been at Austria uh, or, you know, Zandvoort and it's the opposite way around, I'm sure that it would have been the same way. But, you know, we don't want that. We're, be- we're better than that. I know it's passion and people are very passionate about supporting the British drivers at Silverstone but you know it was a heavy shunt and you shouldn't be cheering cheering for that one but as I said spicy banter we love it yeah I think it's an important point to raise because I know the people who were cheering weren't necessarily cheering Verstappen going into the wall they are cheering the fact that Verstappen is not picking up any points um which is which is fair enough in that sense but you know just have a have a bit of awareness that you don't know how that crash has gone until he's out and confirmed to be okay. So, um, and and I think you're right, Harry. It should just be a general point for for F1 fans. It sounds a bit being a bit like a party pooper, but it, <laughs> it, it, it is their lives at stake here. So I I do think it's it's worth the it's worth the mention. Um, if we if we were not called late breaking, we would be called party poopers. So. That was the uh, the close second place when we were thinking of what this podcast should be. It narrowly missed out. 
could have gone one way or the other. If okay. you want us to attend any of your uh, birthday parties, though, we definitely <laughs> do have secondary abilities, so give us a ring. Sam, I would not trust you anywhere near a birthday party, regardless of what the age we're talking about here. I've been to yours for like nine years. And I've regretted every single one. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Cheers. Thank you. I'm kidding, of course. Um, So after that turn one incident happened, we saw God Leclerc, who he definitely deserves the moniker today. God Leclerc lead for pretty much the entire race. Uh, until two and a half laps to go. Lewis Hamilton, again at Cops Corner, got the overtake done on Charles Leclerc up the inside. Um, I mean, Sam, first of all, in terms of that specific move, do you think it was brave of Lewis Hamilton to try that again? Uh, And secondly, in terms of the entire performance, do you think it goes amongst Lewis Hamilton's best of all time? What's funny about the moves that happened at Cops Corner, he had to make a move on Lando Norris earlier in the race, obviously after the pit stop phase, and he served that 10-second penalty, and then obviously he made the race-winging move at that corner. Uh, Lando almost looked like he was praying he wasn't the next victim at Cops Corner, and backed out of it well in advance, going, yeah, cheers, you you go on through, sir, don't worry, don't mind me, Um, was very quick to realise that I'd rather finish this race in fourth place rather than not finish this race at all. And then a similar thing, I think, happened with Charles Leclerc. Um, Hamilton, again, so committed to wanting to take that lead position, so ready to make sure that he... You know, in front of this home crowd, I think the home crowd really spurred him on. Dr. Nigel Mansell making very good points that actually the home crowd really did seem to bring something home for him. Charles Leclerc was almost scared off the track. Did you see how quickly he went wide off onto the curb and had a little bit of a wiggle? And that allowed Hamilton to walk on through. Um, I mean, the tyres were dead. He had pushed that Ferrari to its bloody nuts and bolts were about to fall off. That Charles Leclerc really was God Leclerc today and deserves every ounce of credit that he could get because he drove brilliantly with so many issues coming to that car. But no, I, you know, I respect Hamilton for ignoring the previous stuff and delivering two good, fair overtakes on a corner that is incredibly hard to overtake on. Do I think this was one of his best drives of all time? No, I don't. Firstly, because, of course, he was involved in the incident that took off his rival. That's never ideal. I don't know if you could really put that down to uh, being in the best crowd of all time. Secondly, team orders allowed for him to go through a hang of Bottas. I think he would have overtaken him, but I don't think he would then have got caught up to Leclerc. Um, I just don't think it was all around great performance. I think that Hamilton actually, at the start of the race, not the end, I think he was brilliant towards the end, don't get me wrong, to close that gap down and make that move. But I do think there were things that weren't perfect. So I will not put this into a greatest of all time category but it was a bloody good Grand Prix when you've had 99 race wings you've got a lot to choose from for you know a a top 10 list I wouldn't say this makes it just into the top 10 but it was definitely a very good Grand Prix for him and those closing laps hunting down Leclerc were absolutely spectacular to watch and the the Silverstone crowd were phenomenal to listen to it really made me want to get out my chair and whoop and holler as the Americans might say I did have you know some little goosebumps on the on the arms as uh, the crowd went wild. It was bloody lovely. Harry, stop giggling at me like a small child. Whoop and holler. <laughs> whoop, whoop and holler. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I, I agree what you say in terms of the crowd and the atmosphere uh, making making you miss Silverstone. Um, should we say 2022 British Grand Prix live podcast from from the Grand Prix itself? Let, let, let us know if, if you'd like us to do that because sounds good to me um i also i <laughs> love also it. love how the incident between verstappen and hamilton was quote sam sage 
not ideal. Uh, <laughs> could, could not have put it better. Could not have put it better Headlines. myself. Front page of the Guardian tomorrow. Not ideal. It's it's, it's hard to disagree. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Harry, what did you make of uh, God Leclerc's performance and uh, and Lewis Hamilton's performance? Yeah, I mean, Leclerc, I was so confused about how Leclerc was in. I know why he was in front, obviously, but but then stayed in front and was just so quick. Like that's, and they were pointing it out in the. If you're watching Channel Four this weekend, um, you know, a couple of races ago, a few races ago in France, they fell through that field like a stone. It was ridiculous. Those two Ferraris. Couldn't look after their tyres to save their lives. And now today, one of them was leading the field, holding off Hamilton for... I mean, he held off Hamilton for that first stint entirely. And then, obviously, he was leading, but got hunted down at the end. But, um, yeah, Leclerc yeah, absolutely earned his title as God Leclerc today. That was just some ridiculous stuff. Um, Hamilton's performance, I agree with what Sam said entirely. I mean... Not ideal that incident. Um, it's it's I can't put it as one of his greatest ever drives. If you watched from, you know, when he got or you know, Bottas let him let Hamilton go from then on in, it's up there. That that was vintage Hamilton. But yeah, I don't think you can when you no matter what you think or who was at fault for that first lap incident, I don't think you can put it up there as his greatest when when he was involved slash probably the person at fault in that first lap so um yeah but it, it, you know as i said that, that those those last te- 20 10 laps were were comp- classic hamilton but um yeah yeah classic conclusion for me that classic conclusion yeah really with that ending didn't you? i thought, really I, had, I, thought I had another point and then i realized i didn't so uh you're welcome folks so not ideal and mm. yeah yeah <laughs> Great. I'm too hot. All right, I'm too hot. It's it's it fair. Is too hot. It is a fair point. Um, in terms of, I've seen a lot of people say that. Well, it's one of Lewis Hamilton's best performances as long as you ignore the first lap. And it's like, well, you can't really ignore the first lap because that was part of the race. So it doesn't quite get up there for me. Uh, it was, you know, the the last sort of stint was was pretty epic from Lewis Hamilton. And what was what was probably most brilliant about it is the. Charles Leclerc responded like Charles Leclerc responded by up to about one second per lap that he he got quicker and quicker as Lewis Hamilton was chasing him down. And it still didn't matter because Lewis Hamilton was going from 131 to 130 into the 129s. Um, I know Sergio Perez ended up getting the fastest lap, but Lewis Hamilton would have got that if if Perez hadn't come into the pits late on. So. You know, he, he did a really epic job on that second stand and, and it proves that he's still he's still one of, if not the best driver in Formula One. It's 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 him, Verstappen, maybe you want to throw Leclerc into the mix as well, but he, he is amongst that elite at the very least, and many would argue, perhaps including myself, that he is still the best driver out there. Um and and it was it was epic. It wasn't it wasn't perfect because the first lap wasn't ideal if I'm using a Sam Sage phrase. Um, but also, you have to you have to bear in mind that he didn't get past Charles Leclerc on that first stint when, you know, he was he was camped out sort of one and a half, two seconds behind for a lot of that first stint. He didn't get past then, so it did take him a long time in order to make up that position. And I don't want to 
I don't want to take away anything from Hamilton in terms of the time, you know, the time that he made up. But the penalty he got did help him out a great deal because really it was only the Lando Norris overtake that he needed to do as a result of the penalty. If you think the box, I'm not going to count the Bottas overtake, you know, the, the Leclerc overtake he would have had to make anyway, regardless of whether he had that 10 second penalty. So really the only one was that Lando Norris overtake. It was still a great overtake and so was the Leclerc one, but it's not as if, if it dropped 10 seconds once the, when the field was rather, rather condensed, he would have had to have made up about 10, 15 places. He, he had to make up one. So it, it was a great performance, don't get me wrong, um, but not his best or probably top five, according to me at least. On the other side, Leclerc, he, he was a god. I, I've got nothing else to say, really. He's a god. <laughs> I reckon, uh, and, and folks, I live in a converted church, so I very much reckon that um, on the top of the spire, they're going to put Charles Leclerc on there as a kind of signal as to how holy that man is behind the wheel of a Formula One car. Just spectacular. Also, before we move on from Ferrari, I, I don't know about you guys, but when signs came into the pits and they cost him about 10 seconds due to that issue, I was, how are they going to find a way to mess this up for him? And they didn't. They are making. Feel, they're making strides. I feel, I feel like they brought signs in first because they were all really nervous. They were just like shaking, like get get signs in first. If we balls this up, we've got to get at least <laughs> at least balls up signs is race. Um, but obviously, they, yeah. Why well don't Ferrari for? I mean, he was his engineer is extremely calm at giving him very complicated instructions. Just like I know you're driving fast, Charles, and. You've got Lewis Hamilton hunting you down, but can you just do that? Like, put up this mode into your into your steering wheel. Yeah, cheers. All right, nice one. Cheers, mate. It was oh. like he was speaking Latin to him, wasn't it? It was like, uh, "Hello, Charles. Yeah, Alpha fifty eight minus four hundred and twelve. <laughs> divide it by pi, and then tell me how far the moon is. And then, yeah, if you could just carry on leading the race, that would also be great. Thanks, Charles. And Charles, like, copy. I'm trying. <laughs> Honestly, I was, I, I just, I can't believe nothing happened on that pit stop and it happened on the signs one. I was just thinking to myself, if, um, if Charles Leclerc went over the team radio, like, oh, how did, how did Carlos's pit stop go? Was great, Charles. 2.4 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing to worry about. <laughs> don't panic. Don't panic. Also, kept my bold prediction alive. So thank you, Ferrari engineers. I know. I was wondering how long it would take. For, for Sam to mention that one. Well, you know, Carlos saw the signs and he uh, he duly delivered. He did. He really did. Um, driver of the day. Who have you got, Sam? Oh, Charles Leclerc, 100%. The man was, uh, in the words of Sebastian Vettel, he was amazing. Grazie ragazzi. The guy drove fantastically. Well, I know he didn't get the race win, but um, that's the best performance thing of Ferrari I think we've seen since he um, since he won either in Monza or, or Belgium, I think. Or maybe when Vettel won it at Singapore. It was genuinely that good. He deserves all the plaudits. Charles Leclerc is so, so good. He's such a great talent. I know all the focus is on Max Verstappen, and it deservedly should be this season. But, my lord, Charles Leclerc is fantastic. And he will be, I think, a world champion at some point. The guy just knows how to extract performance out of a car. Much like Verstappen, much like Hamilton. I'd love to see all three of them go at it all at the same time. It would be great. 
Shout out to Max Verstappen being second place on the fan vote for driver of the day, by yeah. the way. Nice one, Holland. <laughs> I got a good chuckle on me when that came aboard. Um, although <laughs> Sam has agreed there with the public at large. They also gave it to Charles Leclerc. Harry, are you also going to give it to Charles Leclerc? Yeah, a, a, a no-brainer for me. And, you know, this... I mean, it, this whole performance from Charles just makes me slightly sad that he's not in a car that can fight for fight for a championship at the moment because him versus Verstappen versus Hamilton would be so good, so good to watch. But hopefully Ferrari get their act together soon. I mean, they get they're getting there. Um, but yeah, no, Charles left me. Small shout out to Lance Stroll for turning up on Sunday because he didn't turn up for the rest of the weekend, but he turned up today. Um, and yeah, I'm not going to give him draw of the day, but I thought he had a pretty solid race. Oh, got my phone. <laughs> what a fantastic tone that is. Um, That's a classic British ringtone, that, that is. That is so British, Harry. Thank you for that. Um, I am going to go for Charles Leclerc, because he was a god. Pretty pretty simple. There there are some there are some race weekends where I'm umming and ahhing between like three and four different drivers, this wasn't one of them. This was a fairly simple one from me. The the only the, I mean, Lando Norris was great as well. I'll just throw his name into the mix. But yeah, Charles Leclerc, driver of the day. Worst driver of the day, Sam. Well, speaking of Grazia Ragazzi and and doing Egyptian dances on a podium, Sebastian Vettel. It was like watching me try and learn <laughs> no traction control on the latest F1 game. The man just doesn't understand how hard to put down a throttle. He spun twice on his own accord. He had no one around him. It's like he got excited and went all revs and then went down the wrong pit lane. Um, when did yeah, he spin the was, was I asleep? It wasn't on camera. Yeah, it wasn't on camera. Oh. They had a quarter. They just said that Sebastian Vettel dropped another like 10 seconds because he'd spun again and then they retired the car. Yeah. Um, it wasn't great from Sebi Vett. You know, I've got big love for, for number five, but uh, this was not one of those races. And I, I do expect better from a four-time world champ on a regular basis when Lance the Wall Scroll wasn't letting <laughs> anyone through yeah. in P8. And Sebastian Vettel was, you know, lounging around at the back facing the wrong way. Not really good enough for Sebastian Vettel this weekend. Uh, yeah, just a quick one, actually. You say that that Vettel spin, the second spin, didn't happen on camera. Um, just a quick one for Mr. British TV director, if that is indeed your real name. All of the racing seemed to happen in the small boxes on the left. I, I, I think they're a great yeah. addition, but all of the racing happened in the boxes and nothing of yeah. note happened on the main screen. The Kimi Raikkonen I, I think... and Sergio Perez battle, I was just there like, like you, probably can't, <laughs> you probably can't see this, but I'm going right up to the camera like, uh, what, what is that? It's like, it's like I'm, watching, I'm watching the race on my, you know, I, I, I'm a hardworking man, everybody, and I have a, a lovely big TV in my lounge. I, I know, it's baffling. And I get to watch this, and it's like watching the actual race on my iPod mini that I've brought back from 2007. You know, ridiculous. Big, big I, I just think I don't. What a what a machine that is. Um, I understand if they can see it happening in the top left corner that something's boiling up. Like I love the addition of it, but if you can see it, switch it over. Yeah. I, it must be able to do that anyway. Don't mind. Great banter, great banter. Um, so worst driver of the day, Harry. Are you agreeing with Sam? 
Um, I, I mean, yeah, I kind of do, but for the sake, sake of variety, I'll go for, I'll go for no bodies, because your your teammate, your teammate has a ten second penalty, and then he he comes out behind you, and then he catches you up, and then they have to let you through, let him through, and you still finish. But I don't know what the gap was, but you're still several seconds behind him at the end. So, um, uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. I thought at one point he was going to win it, and prove Sam wrong, but no. So, on that basis, Volta, that's why you've got worst drive of the day for me. Something I did love about Mr. Bottas was when we're all sat there in the red flag. No one's doing anything. Everyone's chilling out. Over the radio appears Valtteri Bottas. Uh, so that was a racing incident, guys. Yeah? I loved it. I love the absolute, I can't say a swear word, uh, poo-housery from Valtteri Bottas there to big up a team. He will do anything to remain on that Mercedes team now to make sure that he is a team player. That man is... Giving it his all to be the number two driver. So, um, yeah, fair play to you, Valtteri, for even trying that sneaky little little bit of uh, propaganda from you. Great stuff. Um, <laughs> love it. My worst driver of the day does go to Sebastian Vettel. Um, yeah, couldn't channel the number five energy from Dr. Mansell, I'm afraid, uh, as, much as, as much as he tried. Um, yeah, I think because of the format of the weekend, this might have hurt even more for him because... He did, he did all right in practice. He gets to traditional qualifying, does a reasonable job there, gets into Q3 just about, makes it to Saturday, does the sprint race, does a good job there, makes up a couple of positions. So it's like he's checking all the boxes like, yeah, I've done traditional quality great. I've done sprint quality great. Fantastic. Let's get to the race. And one lap and all of his work from the previous two days is just completely undone. And he's at the back of the grid. And I, I don't know how much of uh, his his issue was preventing him from overtaking even the slowest cars on the grid, the likes of the Williams and the Alphas. It's tough to say, but he didn't make up any ground after those spins. Uh, well, I guess with the exception of the hash drivers, but that's that's really scraping the barrel, isn't it? So, um, yeah, not, not a good one for Mr. Vettel, I'm afraid. Oh, can I also give a shout out to um, not ideal. I give a shout as well to uh, Mr. Sergio Perez, who, I mean, it wasn't great, was it, from the other side of the Red Bull garage? He he binned it on his own in the sprint qualifying, which we're going to talk about shortly, and then he didn't really make up as much ground as he would have liked with the strategy from the pit lane. You can see if that was Verstappen or let's say Hamilton points. You'd like to think top five, top six, possible here. He didn't even get into the points and then made another pit stop and he didn't, again, finish very well. So I, I would have expected a bit more from Perez here. That car was quick and he wasn't delivering. I, I loved the... Um, the uh, When Hamilton got through on the lead, there were... It's not... I don't I didn't think it's petty, but it's kind of the petty move were like, well, we're going to steal your fastest lap away from you then, Lewis. Suck on that. <laughs> and pit Perez just to take away the fastest lap. I, I absolutely understand why, and it makes total sense, but it just made me, made me chuckle. Like, sacrificial lamb. Checo, come in, lose any chance of points, and go fast, please. Okay, got it, boss. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll actually quickly talk about Perez and Bottas after we finish with, with moment of the race before we go on to sprint qualifying. But I absolutely loved him. Yeah, uh, you, you make a point there. I absolutely loved that he does his first thing, he comes into the pits, he makes his way back up to the points, and it's like, no, we're going to bring you back in again. It's like, all right, fine, I'll go and overtake all those cars again. He gets up to P10. We're going to pit you again, Serge. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Every time he got near the points. Yeah, it's, 
It's like Chris King's picked up the phone and gone, Hello, Checo, you're right, yeah. If you pick now, I'll put chips on your pizza later. How's that for you? And he's gone, Oh, yes, please, boss. Go on, then. I can't, can't go against that. Goodness me. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about those two, um, Bottas and Perez, in just a little bit. We'll just go through a moment of the race, first of all. Sam, what, from your side, would it be? It's got, it's got to be the crash. It's got to be... We, we've spoken for the last 10 races how those two have gone wheel-to-wheel in, let's say, at least 50% of the races we've seen. And how many times have we all said they will come together? It is going to happen. There will be a physical catalyst on track that shows them two coming together. And it's happened. And all the commentators, I've watched replays from Sky, I've watched replays from Channel 4, I've heard radio stuff online. They've all compared this as a prost Senna moment of they've taken each other out. There it is. That is the big moment to make this an iconic battle. And it brings Hamilton fully back into that championship. The repercussions this could have for the rest of the season, if that Mercedes can become competitive again, is pretty potent. Who knows? The Red Bull might go on to be the strongest car for every single race for the rest of the season. But... If it isn't, this could turn the tide. So I think that was a big moment of the season. So yeah, that is race of the race of the moment of the race rather for me. Got it, Harry. Moment of the race for you. Yeah, I, I hard to disagree with with that. Um, I was trying to think of other things I could use as an alternative take, but none of them, none of them quite match up to the to the drama of that that lap point crash. I mean, just that first lap, first half a lap in general. Those two going at it. I think, as Sam said, it's. It's going to be the one that people remember in in years to come. Where were you when Hamilton and Verstappen collided, sort of thing? Um, so yeah, it's got it's got to be that one. And it, it it feels, you know, obviously Hamilton's taken a huge chunk out of Verstappen's lead, but it just feels like this is a don't know if it's a turning point, but it's a very pivotal moment of the season. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's the real answer. I've got a couple more. Um, the first of which didn't actually happen in the race, but shout out to the Haas guys for a bit of variety in terms of when would their lunge be? It was a complete shocker. You don't know what corner it's coming at, but it didn't even come on the right day this weekend. It was a Saturday. I, I appreciate Haas watch every time. You don't know when it's going to happen. It will happen at some point. This time it was. Uh, this time it was on the Saturday. So. Appreciate that, guys. Like Crime Watch. Yes. Hashtag Haswatch. Yes, Haswatch. That absolutely is a new segment now. No going back. The other one from me did actually happen. Well, actually, technically, this didn't really happen whilst there was racing going on either. Sam, you've already mentioned it. Valtteri Bottas coming over the team radio was the best thing. I I almost... I, I lost it. Like... It was great. You just had like the Red Bull communication with the FIA. You've got you got Hamilton and Verstappen team radios. You've got Red Bull and Mercedes team radios. And then all of a sudden, on the on the right of his screen, up comes Bottas. What on earth is this going to be about? What's he got? It was a racing incident, right? It's like, come on. <laughs> He, he might as well be making the T rounds now. He, he, it's got to that point, isn't it? He will do anything. Oh. Yeah, you, you'll, we'll, we'll cut to the Mercedes garage and um, it'll be Hamilton there, you know, working out or whatever, you know, doing something social media based. And you'll pan to the corner of the room and there'll just be Bottas like massaging Roscoe, Hamilton's dog, 
Yes, Hamilton. Yes, Sir Hamilton. Whenever you need Sir Hamilton, just don't fire me from this team. I just have images. Sorry, I've just got images of Toto Wolf, like with a piece of paper. Or he's probably doing it by email, considering it's Toto Wolf. But I can just imagine him with a piece of paper, like scribbling down. All right, this is the script for Valdry Bottas. What he needs to say over team radio. You got James Valsh just sprinting out to him in his car in the red flag moment. Like there you go. Just just say that word for word. All right. Okay. That that was a racing incident, right? Just honestly brilliant. I I gotta say, and this is not very related, but this whole incident on Drive to Survive is gonna be earth ending. Like the world is is they're gonna portray it as literally the world's ending, and Christian Horner, oh, he'll play his head's gonna pop. He'll play it. He'll play it. It was nothing, guys. Don't don't worry about covering that. I mean. I feel I feel really sorry for Yuki Tsunoda and all this because you know he's going to have a rivalry with both of them after this episode. You know they'll just go and this was all it was all Yuki's fault and he's now not going to get the Red Bull seat. Drama in the F1 community. Pans to Mick Schumacher in black and white like this is where the drama started and God, I I just it, yeah you're right Harry it will be an experience when we get to that. Before we move on to spring qualifying and what we thought on that, um, we did see that the 44-point advantage, appropriate, that Red Bull had over Mercedes has been eroded to just four points, thanks to the 25 that Hamilton got and the 15 that Valtteri Bottas got. So, Sam, your thoughts, first of all, on Perez's race, obviously not an ideal one from his perspective, no points whatsoever, Um, and Valtteri Bottas's, because he was on the podium, although not in second. Yeah, nil poire for Perez and for Red Bull. Um, honestly, I know I, I, we had a bit of a joke about it, how he got close to points a couple of times. If he picked up one or two points, it's not really enough in that car. He should have been able to cut through that field. There were a lot of overtakes going on. It showed that you could close. It showed that Tyware was playing a factor. And he was working a different strategy. You know, he got to start on, on a different type of rubber, out of the pit lane, avoiding either drama. Um, then we had a safety car, which also brought him into the mix. The, the guy, and then obviously had the red flag rather, that also then brought him into the mix. The guy should have been further up the field. And if Red Bull are going to continue this dominance that they have, that Verstappen is utilising brilliantly, then Perez needs to be there. We've said it all about Bottas before when Hamilton has been dominant, and I'm going to say it about Perez. Perez has been fantastic on and off this season. He's had some real moments of brilliance. You know, the fact that he was right behind Verstappen after that awful incident in Baku that wasn't Verstappen's fault, and he took that race victory. You know, Hamilton made the mistake and Perez brought it home. That's brilliant. That's what you want from your second driver, was to hold on to that result. Perez hasn't been doing that the last few races. Didn't do a great job either in Austria race, of the Austrian races. He hasn't done a great job in a few of the previous ones either. And now it's shown again here in Silverstone that the mistake was entirely his own fault in the sprint race. This hasn't been good enough. This hasn't been good enough. Um, Valtteri Bottas, on the other hand, I mean, he played the team role, right? He has done exactly what needs to be done. The only thing I would have asked more for Valtteri was that he, he got past Leclerc. But as we saw, it took an absolute mammoth moment from Lewis Hamilton, a seven-time champion, to close that gap and get past him. It was still a nine-second gap. And I watched as the times ticked over, and I went, Hamilton is now closer to Leclerc than Bottas is to Hamilton. And I understand that he let him through. I understand there was no fight there. I understand there were team orders. I have no issue with Bottas finishing behind Hamilton. I don't think he has any say in that. And fair play to him for being a team player. You know, he's, he's doing what he can. 
But he still needs to hold on to the back of Hamilton. He still needs to close Leclerc down. He still needs to have him under pressure. When Bottas was in second and Leclerc was in first, I thought, here we go, go on, Valtteri. Give it a go. You might win this. You might prove me wrong. And he didn't. He didn't. He just wasn't there. So it was better. Bottas' race was better than Perez's race. Bottas's race was not up to the standard that I would still want from that perfect second driver. But it wasn't bad. It was not great, but it wasn't bad. But Perez, not good enough. How are your thoughts on those two drivers? Yeah, I mean, che- Checo's weekend was was sorted out when he spun off um, on Saturday in the sprint race. Um, and from there, on, it, it never really never really recovered. I mean, he, he, he tried to get into the points and, you know, Red Bull obviously didn't want him to be there. Um, but... Yeah, he it was his mistake that that caused it in the first place. Um, and you know, when, once that Verstappen once Verstappen was out, you have Hamilton and Bottas in the top three still, and that's when, like he was in Baku, that's when Red Bull need Perez around for when Verstappen's not there to score the points. So, yeah, the Red Bull will not want to remember this weekend whatsoever because you know the both championship days have been absolutely slashed. Um, and yeah, they needed Perez there when it when it really counted for for the, I say rare occasions. It's happened twice this year now, but the normally rare occasions where Verstappen doesn't finish a race or score big points. Um, uh, as for Bottas, yeah, I I had some hope that he maybe he would be the one. I didn't really want. I wanted Leclerc to win, obviously, but I thought he would be the one to close down Leclerc, not and not Hamilton. Um, but yeah, just there wasn't. I just I feel I just feel sorry for him because I think it I just think his drive has slightly gone and now all he's doing is is you know doing everything he can to keep his seat by playing the team game giving Hamels on the toe in quali starting on the softs in the sprint in the sprint quali uh, I know it was sensible for him to get out of the way in the race but you know the radio message another prime example so I just feel like his his drive as a as a Formula One driver has slightly disappeared and it's sad to see because he I think he you know he's definitely one of the the hotter hotter talents coming through the field in the uh, big you know 2014 2015 so um yeah I, I I agree with what Sam said I don't think he had a bad race whatsoever but it was just not 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 amazing and I yeah I think his his spirit has been slightly extinguished I've, um, I've got news that have come through, actually, that Valkyrie Bot has been taking off the Netflix series Drive to Survive, and now he's just gone Drive to Exist, which is a, a new series that's coming through just for Valkyrie. I'd, I'd give it a watch. Yeah, go on. That sounds alright. Anyway, maybe a bit of a uh, beside the point there. <laughs> um, alright, my, my view on both of those. So, uh, actually, before I say, just a, a point of, to note here. Max Verstappen, two DNFs this year, yet the number one Red Bull driver is still beating the number one Mercedes driver. Now we've had the the 15 points for Valtteri Bottas. The number two Mercedes driver is actually beating the number two Red Bull driver. So Max Verstappen is beating Lewis Hamilton. Valtteri Bottas goes ahead of Sergio Perez with that result today. Just thought that was uh, that was quite interesting. Um, so I, I think overall, Sergio Perez, if we're looking at him in the first instance, 
I, I, I actually think I agree with what you say, Harry. The damage was done on Saturday. I don't think his Sunday drive was particularly bad. Um, I, I know he seemed to get past the slower cars, the Alfa Romeos, the Williams, quite quickly. I think he made fairly good work of that. And it's important to bear in mind as well that this isn't necessarily Perez's strength when it comes to coming through the field. We know what Perez is good at. We know what he's not so good at. He, I don't think it necessarily suits his style to come through the field from the back. But I think he, he made a pretty good job of it for the most part. He then ended up behind the likes of Stroll and, and, and the Alpha Tauris. And I think at that point, he couldn't get the moves done. But I do have a bit of sympathy because we saw the likes of Alonso being able to hold back cars for long periods of the race, even when the cars behind were in DRS. Same with same with Sainz and, Sainz and um, Ricardo. We saw Sainz go out behind Daniel Ricardo. Sainz was almost permanently in Daniel Ricardo's DRS range. He was permanently within one second, yet he still couldn't get past either. So I do have a bit of sympathy for Perez not being able to make those overtakes on those midfield cars. But the damage was done on his own accord on Saturday. Um, that, that's been, I think, just ultimately cost him. And it, it's the complete opposite of what we saw in Baku, where in Baku he was able to win when Max Verstappen DNF'd. Here he was nowhere near enabled in terms of being able to capitalise um, on, on the misfortune of Max Verstappen early on in the Grand Prix. Valtteri Bottas, I think, comparatively had an all right race. Um, I, I still don't want to be... I don't want to be too harsh on him, but really, everything was aligning for him out there today. If you think about what happened to Valtteri Bottas, Lando Norris had the pit stop issue that allowed Bottas to get past. He got the overcut due to that issue for Lando Norris. Hamilton has a 10-second penalty. Verstappen is out of the Grand Prix. Perez is nowhere near the top 10 because of what he did on the Saturday. There aren't going to be too many incidents where all of those things add up towards giving Bottas a great result and it was it was still only P3 I just think given everything that happened out there this was his chance to really put in a dominant performance and it didn't happen so it wasn't a it wasn't I don't think it was a terrible race by any means but just based on everything that happened around him it should have been more and it wasn't now I mean, it says a lot, the, the amount that has happened this weekend that we're, you know, 45, 50 minutes in and we're still only just getting to sprint qualifying. It has been a very dramatic race weekend. Sprint qualifying, the first of three trials that will happen this year. Um, I don't know if it's actually been confirmed what the other two. I think it was speculated to be Monza and Brazil, but I don't know whether they've actually confirmed those two yet. Regardless, this was the first time that we had it. So we had traditional qualifying on Friday, which set the grid for sprint qualifying on Saturday, uh, and then the normal race as usual on the Sunday. So, Harry, what did you make of sprint qualifying? What did you make of the format? Um, so, I think... Quali, as in Quali as we know it, that we had on Friday, proved that qualifying just works on its own because that was exciting enough on on Friday. Um, but what I will say is, I I, I I did enjoy the sprint race. What what I think should change is it shouldn't be it shouldn't decide the 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 grid for the race. Have it separate. I kind of I enjoyed the. The, the short nature, it was something different. We never see these cars on 
17 laps worth of fuel all on new tyres, very often at least. So that was something different. They all looked much racier for 17 laps. Um, so I would be for having sprint races. I wouldn't have it sprint qualifying. I'd have it as a separate race. Keep quality as it is because quality works, as proven by how good it was on Friday evening and as it's been throughout the year. Um, but as as just a standalone concept... I think it worked all right and i think you know if it is at monza in brazil i think that could be even spicier to be honest um and if i get to watch fernando alonso w- drive m- way more kilometers of silverstone than he needs to to stay in for you know fifth place then i'll, I'll take it because that was amazing to watch but um yeah overall i i give it a thumbs up but i i would tweak it i, I just don't think it needs to be because even verstappen even though he got pole, he didn't really. He was saying himself he didn't really count it as having pole position because he didn't really feel like he'd necessarily earned the the right to pole. So um, yeah, I don't think it works for that. But on its own, then I'm happy with it. Sam, thumbs up from you as well. Um, pretty much in line with what Harry was saying, in the sense of I love the traditional qualifying format that we have. I think it is a very exciting way of setting out the grid. You heard the crowd or Hamilton pipped that pole and the last two laps didn't go as planned. Uh, Verstappen himself said it didn't feel like he deserved the pole name because that isn't how pole is earned. And I know that things change and you have to look at things differently, but pole is all about getting the fastest lap time, outright the fastest lap time to set your race up for the best opportunity. You also then do another weird type of qualifying the next day that then sets your race up again. Um, In my eyes... It needs to be tweaked. I loved the race on its own. If you were to just pick up the race, drop it into a completely separate world, and we could only watch that race, loved it. Good entertainment, great fun. Um, Fernando Alonso was a little slippery snake down some of those straights and liked to go left to right more than he liked to go in a straight line. Um, And it was entertaining. It was good fun. But do I like it as an overall part of a race weekend? Do I think it complements the race weekend? Do I think it should be integrated into, let's say, 10 races across a whole season? Not in its current format. What I would like to see, and I think if we're going to start having two races, then you have to look to the junior formulas. F2 does this really, really well. And I know that will shake up a lot of what we do, but I think you need to be giving out more points to certain people across a, um, a sprint race. I think you then need to do some kind of reverse poll, which would work well. It gives a lot of um, encouragement to those who are in the midfield. They might be able to hang on to a podium. We might get a mix-up of results. The junior formulas have a fantastic strategy to this, and it creates exciting racing. If you're not watching the junior formulas on a regular basis, I would highly recommend it. They're only the warm-ups, they're considered only the warm-ups, rather, for Formula 1, but a lot of the time they bring much better wheel-to-wheel races, and you should definitely give it a crack, because their way of um, having the weekend laid out is really strong. This is how I would want to do it if we're going to have to have two races of Formula 1 in one race. Uh, Also for ticket payers, on the other hand, it was much more entertaining. You did get to see more content. You did get to see more races and race starts and battling on track. You got your money's worth if you were in a grandstand. So I can understand it from that aspect. But it did just make normal qualifying that we then had on the Friday feel a little bit pointless. I would almost rather they do a, here's the championship standings for the start of the sprint race. Um, we're going to reverse the top eight. So Verstappen was starting eighth, Hamilton was starting seventh, and so on and so on and so on. And then you go from there, and then you have normal pole or something from the race, from the results started for the main race afterwards. It needs to be tweaked. I like it. I don't love it. I don't want it to carry on as a major event in this format, but I am more than open to listening to how it could be tweaked. 
I I gotta say, I I would still take it over a practice session. I love watching it all F one, but give nah, me give no me practice. Experience. They don't deserve any practice. They don't deserve any practice. Well, I mean, fine, but yeah, that's um, just make make them qualify. <laughs> just off you go. Come on. Yeah. Go qualify. Yeah, I I would much rather watch a sprint race and uh, have another practice session. Um, so I I went into the race weekend and my expectations were not very high for the sprint race and I have come out of the race weekend and not a lot has changed. I didn't really like it. Um, and a lot of people are saying that well it's it's better than nothing. It's like why is that the benchmark? Why is nothing the benchmark? Of course, where where do you then stop? You might as well just have racing twenty four seven then if it's that's the benchmark. Um, you know, in terms of, I don't really understand what value it's adding. I I was I much preferred the Friday session compared to the Saturday session, and the Friday session was somewhat diminished because you knew that it wasn't setting the grid. That that Lewis Hamilton uh, epic pole position that the crowd went mental for ended up didn't really matter much because he was overtaken for the sprint race. All this was for me was actually rather than a fifty-two lap race. This was a 70 lap race that took place over two days and there was one massive red flag that took place from about from about five o'clock on Saturday through to three o'clock on Sunday. I I don't really it's a bit of a longer race that stretched over two days. I I, I don't really understand what the value is and I, I just much prefer cars going as fast as they can in qualifying to set the grid. That's just I, I prefer it that way. And I know they're going to bring it back for a, a couple more times. And when they do, I'll watch it because, you know, we, we say, you know, everything every time we say things are entertaining or not very entertaining in F1, it's only relative to other F1 races. Like, for example, the 2019 French Grand Prix that might go down as the most boring race ever is still entertaining from my perspective because it's more entertaining than not having F1. But again, that shouldn't be the benchmark. Um I, I, you know, if, if they want to tweak this, first of all, I, I, I don't understand the whole giving points out for it. I don't like, I don't like races being more important than one another. Uh, I know it's not quite double point Abu Dhabi territory, but it's still giving a few more points for the British Grand Prix and a few other Grand Prix. The reward should be where you start the race. The reward shouldn't be points, in in my view. It is, it is qualifying. Regardless of whether it's a race or whether it's one shot or whether it's um, elimination qualifying, everyone's favourite, it's still a qualifying session. They all still do the same thing. So there shouldn't be any points awarded from from my view. If they want to bring this back, because I do, I the only value I can see in this is everyone going out on lower fuel loads and just absolutely going for it. I haven't thought this through whatsoever, but something like having reserve or f2 drivers racing the cars with points being contributed to the constructors championship in some way i wouldn't be against something like that it would need some thought and clearly i haven't given it much but i could get behind something like that i i I honestly don't want sprint races outside of if they were to tweak it and it was qualifying still set the grid and this sprint race was separate to that I still probably wouldn't be for it. Um, 
I don't know. It, it just doesn't doesn't quite work for me. I understand with Formula Two reverse grids, and I get I I understand the value in it at F two level because it is a training ground. You are trying to give these young drivers the the tools with which they will succeed in Formula One. But outside of that, I don't really like reverse grids, generally speaking. So, um, you know, it's not for me. I, I understand that actually a lot of people either liked this or could see the value in it if it was slightly updated. Sure. And I, I, I don't think it was bad. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it was bad. I just don't quite see why, why it's good. I just don't quite see it. So confirmed there, folks. Ben Hocking hates fun. Yeah. I think Ben's simple thoughts on it were it was um, not ideal. Wow. I could have just done all of that in two words. If only I'd known. That's how I'm going to title this podcast, by the way. Not ideal. Why say many words when few words do better? Thank you, Michael. Um, Yeah, I... I, that is that is just such a great summary. I don't know how to how to follow that really. That's that, that's exceptional. Thank you, Sam. Thumbs up from Sam Sage. Well, <laughs> it's hot. We've been speaking for a while, and I am the fun police here. So if anyone's having too much fun listening to us, stop it. We won't be having it. Um, apparently, that, apparently that's my role now. Um, the party but, poopers will come and get you. Yeah, that's yep. we'll poop on your parties. <laughs> We've we've somehow managed to start the podcast with being party poopers. We've ended it by being party poopers, and there might have been something in between, probably poop, based on what we're saying here. So, correct. <laughs> that wasn't even a sound effect, folks. That was actually Sam. Um, it was my mouth. We'll, we'll wrap it before we melt. Shall shall we wrap it up here? We'll be back uh, midweek, of course, for the next podcast. But Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Folks, you might have heard me talk about it 43 times last time. We've got the form. The form is in the podcast link. Please get involved with the form. Let us know your thoughts on what happened. We'll always talk about your points of view if uh, if we think you're interesting. If not, we'll just act like you never said anything. I'm joking. We read every <laughs> single one that we get. They are really interesting. We've got some good ideas that some of you have sent in for maybe some videos or some podcast topics. So keep those coming in on the form. We really appreciate it. We love that interaction from you guys. Um, of course, we are going to be back. We'll be back midweek. Why aren't we? When are we not back for the midweek? Uh, so we'll be here chatting. Make sure you join us then. Um, and we're going to obviously see this championship go right down to the wire. Hopefully, let us know your thoughts on the race. It was a crazy one. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Harry Eads. And remember, keep breaking like. <laughs>